Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. It's been 3,389 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 470 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. This podcast contains frank descriptions of war and its effects and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Let's start with errors and omissions. Our June 6th episode included a few statements regarding the destruction of the Kohovka Dam that have turned out not to be supported by evidence. The Situation Report stated that there were no reports of explosions at the time the dam failed, which is not correct. There were, in fact, multiple reports on Ukrainian social networks of a loud explosion that is consistent with the timing of the dam's destruction, as reported by other sources. Also in that episode was an assessment implying that our team found corrosion, increased water pressure, and existing damage to be the most likely cause of the dam's collapse, when in fact the available information, expert analysis, and U.S. intelligence indicate an explosion within the interior of the dam is the most likely cause. The editor-in-chief and I feel strongly that the degree of error required a retraction and clear correction. The June 6th episode has been taken down and will be reposted with the errors removed. We appreciate your support, and we will do better in the future. Ukraine has locked down operational security, which, don't get me wrong, is understandable. But this exceeds the information security experienced during the Kherson counteroffensive. Not only is the public and semi-public space locked down, but our contacts are also quiet, and one of the journalists who works with us in Ukraine was not permitted to enter an area that currently is not a so-called red zone. The challenge here is that this has created an information vacuum, and dubious claims are filling in the gaps. We knew Russia would increase disinformation as a Ukrainian offensive would start in earnest, And thankfully, some Russian sources, especially the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, have been sharing very obvious disinformation. The bigger problem is that any main battle tank seen, any platoon of light infantry, and any HIMARS rocket that hits a building creates a storm of, the big offensive has started, in the Russian information space. As of today, if you go by the Russian MOD numbers, they've rendered up to eight Ukrainian brigades combat ineffective. That's an absolutely ridiculous claim. While the panic and paranoia are humorous on the surface, it's creating a repeating cycle of Ukraine making huge advances, like a massive attack, and Russia thinking, this is it, they're breaking through our positions, 
Then Russians claim they beat back the attack, destroying 50 vehicles and killing thousands who just ran to their deaths in a human wave attack. Glorious victory. Until Ukraine makes the next advance. The reality ranges from platoon and company-sized probing attacks and ordinary artillery strikes that are part of ongoing shaping operations. In some cases, there's no attack at all. It's just Russian fan fiction. The situation was on full display yesterday when three sources we consider reliable or semi-reliable, who have consistently provided very accurate information in the Avdiivka operational area, that's mercenary mill blogger War Gonzo, Ukrainian source Deep State, and Igor Strelkov-Girkin, were in total disagreement about Opitne. The fighting over who was right or wrong continued publicly in the social media space today, and we've never seen anything like this. In the Shabikino operational area, it's unclear if Russian partisans remain in Novoye Tavolzhanka at the time of recording, with Bielgorod regional governor Vyacheslav Gladkov visiting the settlement. Russian partisans have continued to maintain positions in the forest tracks near the settlement, which was hit with 57 artillery rounds, mortars, and grad rockets. The Free Russian Legion and Russian Volunteer Corps claimed that fighting continued, and Ukrainian source Deep State reported, quote, no change. After claiming fewer than 500 people remained in Shebikino, Mayor Vladimir Zdanov told Russian state media agency RT that 2,700 people remain in the city. The Ministry of Internal Affairs reported 250 more people were evacuated. Governor Gladkov reported the city was hit by 460 artillery rounds, mortars, and grad rockets, and over two dozen drone-delivered IEDs. There were no injuries reported. Another large fire erupted in the industrial district at a paint factory. Governor Gladkov claimed he traveled through eight rural villages in the border region of Chirmshoy, where residents say there is no water, electricity, communications, fuel, or open stores. He vowed to have power restored within the next few days. In the Bilgorod region, neither Russian nationalists, Russian partisans, nor Ukrainian sources have reported significant fighting or artillery activity in this region before today. In the city of Bilgorod, air defenses were active again, with claims that two, quote, targets were shot down. Residents resettled from Bilgorod to other regions are complaining about poor conditions, including not enough beds for families, undrinkable water, no refrigerators or other places to store food, dirty rooms, staffed by people with, quote, terrible attitudes, who ask, quote, why did you even come here at all, according to one family. In Kharkiv, the operational tempo has reduced in Masyutivka with only positional fighting, according to Deep State. And that's it. So, moving on to the Donbass region. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. In the Svatova operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive near Novoselivsky, with no change in the situation. In the Kremina operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian forces launched an attack in the area of Kremina without success. 
They didn't specify geography, but it has been several weeks since fighting has been reported on the western edge of the city. In our assessment, this is likely on the edge of the Serebriansky Woods. On the subject of the Serebriansky Woods, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in this area. The Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the area. In the Lysychansk operational area, there was traditional fighting near Bilohorivka, with no change in the situation. In northeast Donetsk, in the Siversk operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces attempted to advance out of Berestove without success. The GSAFU also reported a failed Russian advance in the direction of Vesele, with several Ukrainian sources reporting that Ukrainian forces were able to make a marginal advance, securing the small ridge of Yakovlivka. In the northwest Bakhmut operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian forces were attacking in the direction of Dubovo-Vasilivka, but didn't specify if they were approaching from the south, east, or west of the salient. In the northern part of the Bakhmut operational area, fighting continued in Berhivka. The Russian MOD insists there has been no Ukrainian advance in this area, but if you look at the map, the only way Ukraine could be attacking in the direction of Yahidne is if a wedge has been created between the settlement and the reservoir. In the western Bakhmut operational area, the Russian MOD and Wargonzo reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive. In the Klishivka operational area, the GSAFU reported that a Russian attempt to regain lost positions south of Ivanivske was once again unsuccessful. In the Klishivka operational area, the GSAFU reported a Russian attack in the area of Klishivka failed, and Wargonzo reported that Ukrainian forces remained on the offensive. The GSAFU also reported that Russian forces attempted to advance in the direction of Predtechne, suggesting that at least a platoon-sized force crossed the Seversky Donetsk Donbass Canal. The Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the direction of Andreevka, which suggests that Ukrainian forces are also on the east side of the canal in that area. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, we have low confidence in a report by the GSAFU of fighting in the area of Avdiivka due to the way the report was written. Russian forces made another attempt to advance on Pervomaiske from the south without success. Chechen Akhmat made 22 unsuccessful attempts to advance supported by the Russian Air Force, or VKS. In the Velika Novosilka operational area, the Russian MOD reported fighting in the area of Novodonetsk, as did multiple Russian sources. The Russian MOD also reported fighting in the area of Neskuchne, although we have low confidence in that report. The Russian MOD released a video claiming to show the destruction of a Leopard 2 main battle tank, or MBT, by a KH-52 helicopter in the Velika Novosilka operational area. Within minutes of publishing, multiple Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts had fact-checked the claim, identifying the video as a year old, and the target was a John Deere 4830 sprayer. Fact-checkers included Kremlin-aligned Ribar, who wrote, quote, 
We wish the authorized department of the Ministry of Defense would check the published materials even more carefully. And statements about the destruction of a leopard, too, should be made only after unambiguous evidence. End quote. In occupied Donetsk, insurgents reported an explosion in Mariupol in the main port area, but did not provide any other information. On the Zaporizhia-Donetsk administrative border, the Russian MOD reported a Ukrainian attack in the area of Livadne, which is in Zaporizhia. Moving on to Zaporizhia, Russian sources are reporting Ukrainian attacks in the Orykhiv operational area, including Novopokrovka, Robotdine, Nesteryanka, Lobkova, Zerbyanki, and Luhova. While we are convinced there is combat activity in this area initiated by Ukraine, the analyst team is in near hand-to-hand combat themselves over if this is the start of the offensive or probing attacks. So we simply cannot make a determination at this time. In western and central Ukraine, in Mykolaiv, backflow has raised the Pivdenibu River almost a meter, causing minor flooding in Zavodsky, Tavnizhnia, Nabarezhna, and opening up small sinkholes near the waterfront. Flooding has crested in Kherson and Novokakhovka, with water receding as much as six meters in Russian-occupied Novokakhovka. Ukrainian drone operators have swapped out IEDs, mortars, and grenades, and instead are carrying bottled water and food to airdrop to civilians stuck in their homes and on rooftops in occupied Kherson. Russians, on the other hand, are using drones to target rescuers with artillery and mortars in Free Kherson. Oleksiy Danilov, Secretary of Ukraine's National Security and Defense Council, said President Zelensky convened an emergency meeting of the National Security Council due to the situation at KHPP, or the Kohovka Hydroelectric Power Plant. After the meeting, President Zelensky said, quote, and the entire Kohovskaya hydroelectric power station. It is physically unrealistic to somehow blow it up from the outside by shelling. It was mined. It was mined by the Russian occupiers and blown up by them. End quote. Zelensky also stated that Ukraine intends to file a lawsuit against Russia in the International Criminal Court in The Hague in connection with the destruction of the Kohovka Dam. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg wrote, quote, The destruction of the Kohovka Dam today puts tens of thousands of civilians at risk and causes serious environmental damage. This is an outrageous act that once again demonstrates the brutality of Russia's war in Ukraine. End quote. The head of the European Council, Charles Michel, said he was shocked by the attack on KHPP and blamed the Russian Federation for it, calling the incident a, quote, war crime. British Foreign Secretary James Cleverly said, quote, It's worth remembering that the only reason this problem has arisen at all is Russia's unprovoked full-scale invasion of Ukraine, end quote, adding that it is too early to make, quote, any meaningful assessment of the details. End quote. The general director of Ukrahydronerho, Ihor Soruta, vowed to rebuild the dam and replace the power station, saying the cost would be at least one billion U.S. dollars and would take five years to complete. The Minister of Agrarian Policy of Ukraine reported that the loss of the Kohovka Dam would cut off irrigation to Ukrainian farmlands in both free and occupied territories. 
including 94% of Kherson, 74% of Zaporizhia, and 30% of Dnipropetrovsk, potentially creating a devastating blow for world grain and edible oil markets. You may remember the zoo that was completely destroyed in Novokhovka. Well, in a bit of good news, there is a video circulating of a few dozen, quote, warm-loving animals that a zoo employee had purportedly removed to their home prior to the destruction of the dam due to the lack of heating at the zoo over the winter. The video shows birds, guinea pigs, ferrets, and chinchillas in animal carriers and crates in what is presumably the employee's home. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. In a comment to Reuters, National Security Council for Ukraine Secretary Alexei Danilov, quote, the counteroffensive of the armed forces of Ukraine has not yet begun, end quote. According to Danilov, Russians mistakenly believe that, quote, local Ukrainian offensive operations in different sectors of the front is the start of a larger one, end quote. Adding, quote, the military will decide when the start will be. When we launch a counteroffensive, everyone will know about it. End quote. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.